Hey, it's Kathy. I'm so excited because, drumroll please, doors are officially open to my program, The Abundance Method. I have been wanting to put this program out in the world for two and a half years. I've been working on it behind the scenes, and this is my signature program. This is the program that is going to teach you the method, the framework for how to become a master manifester in your life. Why is that? Because everything is vibration. We live in a world that is atomic. That means the world is made of atoms, which is energy. 99.9% of every atom is energy and less than 1% particle. So in order for us to manifest in our life, we need to become the highest vibe possible and to sustain that. This program is going to show you how to meditate and how to set your day on the right track so that you have a practice that can help you project your amazing energy into the world, which will bend the 3D, which will help you manifest in ways that you won't even believe. This is a transformative live 10-week program. It is designed to help you on this journey of spiritual awakening. It's going to give you tons of tools. I'm going to show you how to change your energy, master the manifestation once and for all, This is the first program of its kind. We're actually trademarking all of this framework because it is something that is so unique. And I think you're going to be so excited about learning it. Also, there are some bonuses right now. If you sign up before May 10th, you'll be getting a physical abundance box. Plus, you're going to get an exclusive podcast so that you can be listening to this program. If you can't make the live Zoom calls, we can give it to you on a track so that you can be listening to it like you do a podcast. Also, you're going to get a pack of 10 meditations from me. And you're going to be getting a training that I just gave a workshop called Permission to be Rich, one of the best workshops I've ever done, which you will love. And there is a platinum level to this program. If you choose the platinum level, not only do you get extra coaching calls with me, you also get extra mentor support, but this is really cool. You also get a retreat included. My retreats are normally $3,000. You will get the retreat for free included. Plus, you will get a front row seat at that retreat because you will be on the platinum VIP track at the retreat. All of this is here for you. I'd love to see you in this program. I want to see you tapping in, turning on to that electricity within you so that you can find your way to the life that you were born to manifest for yourself. You can join us now at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait. Get on in there. See what all the excitement is about. It's going to be so much fun. You can give someone all the best tools and knowledge in the world and their life can still feel stuck but if you change what someone believes is possible they'll never be the same if you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life if you're saying to yourself i don't want to just go to work i want to do my life's work this is the show this is the show don't keep your day job how do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit. Life is too short not to wake up every day excited. You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools that you can start to take some real action week after week so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. 2018, this is going to be your year. Thanks to Ring for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. As a listener, you have a special offer on a Ring starter kit available right now. With a video doorbell and motion-activated floodlight cam, the starter kit has everything you need to start building a ring of security around your home. Just go to ring.com slash dreamjob. That's ring.com slash dreamjob. Thanks to Secret Clinical Strength Antiperspirant for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. It's clinically strong, which just means it's good at preventing sweat, like twice as good as regular antiperspirant. That's why it's on the top shelf. Sweating is the worst, and not sweating is awesome. So you should buy Secret Clinical Strength Antiperspirant. Thanks to Simple Habit for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Enjoy five-minute meditations on simplehabit.com slash dreamjob for a free seven-day trial. That's simplehabit.com slash dreamjob. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Skillshare is offering Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners a limited time offer of two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to skillshare.com slash dreamjob. Again, go to skillshare.com slash dreamjob to get two months of unlimited access of over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. How's your week going? How was your weekend? What's new? So how cool was last week's episode with Amy Tangerine? I love her. Like, honestly, she has enough energy to power a whole city. I felt like that episode would really empower you to follow your heart and trust that if you have the courage to not be perfect, you're going to be led to amazing ways you can touch the world. And I loved how in Amy's story, she just continued 
to have the bravery to try things even when she wasn't an expert at it. What do you think of that? She just would try something new and she kept pivoting in her career. She started out in engineering school, she left, she started then being a stylist, then she did some fashion design, and then she went into scrapbooking, and then she became an author. And I feel like we all could do so much more if we stop trying to get 100% results immediately. We just try to get a 1% result. We just take a little step forward each day and just be yourself, bruises and all, and know that you were enough. I actually think it's a pretty powerful question to stop and ask yourself, how would your life be different if you actually believed you were enough exactly as you are? What might you attempt? What might you do if you believed you were enough? It might be actually a good idea for you to go and find a picture of yourself when you were like seven or eight and carry it with you. Keep it somewhere where you can see it and look at that kid a few times a day and then think about what you are saying to that person and stop being so cruel to yourself because there's so many amazing things that each of you has to contribute that only you can contribute and so much of it doesn't see the light of day because we're so mean to ourselves. So I just thought Amy's episode last week was really inspiring and I hope that you guys enjoyed it. And this week's episode is also really inspiring. I'm really, really happy that we have the amazing Alex Benayan on the show. He's the author of the best-selling book, The Third Door, and you're going to find out what that means. What is The Third Door? We're going to talk about it today. Alex has a larger-than-life journey, and um, it started when he was 18 years old as a college freshman. He set out from his dorm room to track down some of the biggest people in the world like Bill Gates and Lady Gaga and Maya Angelou and dozens more of the world's most successful people, and he wanted to uncover how did they break through and how did they launch their careers. And it's not just about the advice he got from interviewing some of these amazing people like Warren Buffett and Larry King and Tim Ferriss. It's also about what he learned in terms of persistence and sticking with his own dream and knowing when to pivot as he was chasing them down to get these interviews. And in some cases, he was literally chasing them like in a supermarket parking lot. Alex has been named as one of Forbes 30 Under 30. He's a keynote speaker at conferences and corporate leadership teams around the world, including Apple, Google, Disney, Harvard, and countless other places. This book is jam-packed with key insights on how these people found a way to go from ordinary human beings to household names, literally like legends. And I think it'll help you recognize that you too have incredible potential and you're going to love this. So go ahead and check out his book after this episode because you definitely won't want to miss all the wisdom it has to offer. Okay, before we dive in, we'll say a quick thanks to our sponsor. Thanks to Ring for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. You guys, you have no idea how excited my husband was when Ring became a sponsor of our show because we love Ring. It's so cool. Like we're able to look on our phones to be able to see when we're away what's going on in front of our house in the back of our house because we have a camera on our doorbell and we also have floodlights that have cameras on them it's really helpful because i have three little kids and i want to make sure that everything's safe and we actually had an experience recently where two people came up to our door and we actually heard because the ring doorbell records conversations and it also records video so we heard one of the people say to the other person oh they have a ring doorbell and they ran away and i was like that's crazy ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer you might already know about their smart video doorbells and cameras that protect millions of people everywhere ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world so if there's a package delivery or surprise visitor you'll get an alert and you'll be able to see hear and speak to them all from your phone that's thanks to the hd video and two-way audio features on ring devices as a listener, you have a special offer on a Ring Starter Kit available right now with a video doorbell and motion-activated floodlight cam. The Starter Kit has everything you need to start building a ring of security around your home. Just go to ring.com slash dreamjob. That's ring.com slash dreamjob. Now, please welcome the extraordinary Alex Benayan. Hey, Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so, so much for having me. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. I was just telling Alex as we talked for a few minutes before we started, I'm like, oh, I, I kind of get the secret to why you're so successful. You're really <laughs> likable and really considerate. And that is a huge thing in this world. So I'm um, glad you're here. We're going to talk about your national bestseller, The Third Door. And we're also going to talk about your journey. Um, why don't we start with where did this all come from? What's the seed of this? What's your story? And then we'll sort of get into the book and what you've mm. learned from having this amazing experience talking to so many successful people. You know, I really think that everything that I am today and that I've been able to do is traces back to my mom. And in many ways, I wasn't aware of this at the time, but 
the whole genesis of the book really goes back to my mom because when I was born, you know, like the son of any good, you know, Jewish immigrant, I came out of the womb. My mom cradled me in her arms and then she stamped MD on my ass and sent me on my way. Oh, she wanted you to be a doctor. Yeah. And, you know, as a kid, it wasn't even uh, it wasn't a choice. It was just my identity. And I loved it. You know, when you're a kid, you do whatever makes your you know, if your parents oh, sure. reward you and are happy when you do a certain thing, you just sort of run with it. So I, I loved it. I went to pre-med summer camp in high school. I was, <laughs> I was very gung-ho on the path. And I remember by the time I got to college, I was the pre-med of pre-meds. And within the first month of school, I remember very vividly lying on my bed, looking at this towering stack of biology books on my desk feeling like they were dementors sucking the life out of me. Mm. And very quickly, I started going through this, what I want to do with my life crisis. And I began to realize, you know, maybe I'm not on my path. Maybe I'm on a path somebody placed me on and I'm just rolling down. Yeah. So now not only do I not know what I want to do with my life, and you know, it's all consuming. It's what you think about in the shower. It's what you think about in bed. It's, you know, that crisis starts evolving into, you know, how did all these people who I looked up to, how did they do it? You know, these are things they don't teach you in school. So I just did what I thought was logical. I just went to the library, assuming there had to be a book with the answers. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the library. I'm going on Amazon. I'm just ripping through biographies and business books and self-help books searching for this one book that really focuses on how all these people found a way to get their foot in the door and launch their careers. And eventually, after going through dozens and dozens of books, I was left empty-handed. And that's when my very, very naive 18-year-old thinking kicked in. And I thought, well, you know, if no one's written the book I'm dreaming of reading, why not write it myself? You know, I have a couple months during summer vacation. I can just call up Bill Gates, interview him, oh interview God, everyone else. Oh, my God. You're the cutest person. Well, what's funny is like I thought that would be the easy part. You know, you can you see all these news articles of Bill Gates helping kids all around the world. <laughs> I sort of thought he was like my generation Santa Claus. <laughs> I assumed my idea was I'd go to him and say I want to learn from you so I can share it with my generation. Right, I want your I advice. Would, yeah. Right. I thought that would be the easy part. The hard part I figured was getting the money to fund this journey. I was buried in student loan debt. I was all out of bar mitzvah cash. So <laughs> there, had, there, there had to be a way to make some quick money. So two nights before final exams, yep. my freshman year of college, I'm sitting in the library doing what everyone's doing in the library right before finals. I'm on Facebook. And <laughs> I'm on Facebook <laughs> – and I see someone posting about free tickets to The Price is Right. And the show was filming, you know, not too far, maybe five miles away from my college campus. And the first thought that came to my mind was, what if I go on the show and win some money to fund this dream? Hmm. You know, not my brightest moment, but I had a problem. <laughs> you know, I never, you know, in addition to finals, I had never seen a full episode of the show before but i figured you know how hard could it be but you know i thought about it for another minute i realized you know i have finals in two days it was a stupid idea and i needed to focus on studying but i don't know if you've ever had one of these moments where an idea just claws its way back into your mind and sort of is like relentless and won't let you go oh yeah so to get the idea out of my head and prove to myself this you know, Price is Right idea was a bad idea. I remember taking out my spiral notebook, opening up to a fresh page and writing, you know, best and worst case scenarios. You know, I'm writing down worst case scenarios. Fail finals, get kicked out of pre-med, lose financial aid, mom stops talking to me. No, mom kills me. You know, there's like 20 different cons. And the only pro was maybe win enough money to fund this dream. Mm-hmm. So that night I decided to do the logical thing and pull an all-nighter to study. But I didn't study for finals. I studied how to hack the prices right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I went on the show the next day and executed this ridiculous strategy and ended up winning the whole showcase showdown. Stop it. Winning a sailboat, selling the sailboat, and that's how I funded the book. Please stop. 
What are you saying? <laughs> What's the strategy? This is insane. You went there. You're sitting in the audience. What were you wearing? Like a chicken suit? What are you talking about? You know, it was less Albert Einstein and more Forrest Gump. But, you know, it was this wild adventure where I realized during my all-nighter, there were lessons from how to get on the show that in many ways actually foreshadowed the entire seven-year journey of the book. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about The Third Door. So for people who don't know, what is the concept of The Third Door? After going on this seven-year journey, what I realized after doing all of these interviews, you know, it didn't matter if it was Bill Gates for business or Maya Angelou for poetry or Steve Wozniak for computer science, all of them on the surface might be completely different. But at their core, I've realized they all treat life and business and success the exact same way. And the analogy that came to me is that it's sort of like getting into a nightclub. So there's always three ways in. There's the first door, the main entrance, where the line curves around the block, where 99% of people wait around hoping to get in. Mm. And then there's the second door, the VIP entrance, where the billionaires and celebrities go through. And... Somehow school and society have this way of making us feel like those are the only two ways in. You're either born into it or you wait your turn like everybody else. And what I've realized is that there's always, always the third door. Mm -hmm. And it's the entrance where you jump out of line, run down the alley, bang on the door a hundred times, crack open the window, go through the kitchen. There's always a way in. And it doesn't matter if that's how Gates sold his first piece of software or how Lady Gaga got her first record deal. They all took the third door. Mm. Wow. So let's talk a little bit more about it. So if, you know, the third door is this overarching mindset that they all share, I realize that not only do they share that mindset, also their almost emotional journeys of what it took for them to take the third door was very similar too. You know, when I had started out, I had this very, you know, naive, but I actually think normal belief that all these people must have been fearless because, I don't know, I look at Elon Musk and I just assume he had to be fearless to do all of these things. But what I've realized during my research and during my interviews is that every single one of these people was and sometimes still is tremendously scared during the process whether you're you know dropping out of school to start a business quitting your job to start a business switching professions going from one job to another job there is tremendous fear in that process right and the world's most successful people are not immune to it and that was extremely Mm. surprising so what i learned is that while none of them were fearless they all were courageous and there's a critical difference Mm. Fearlessness is jumping off of the cliff and not worrying about the consequences. Right. You know, in my opinion, that's sort of that's idiotic. Courage, on the other hand, is acknowledging your fears, analyzing the consequences, and then deciding you care so much about it that you're still gonna take one thoughtful step forward anyway. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's true. A lot of courage. And I love that you're saying that they are not immune to fear it's that they do it anyway and they have that courage i'm like amazed that you were able to interview all of those incredible people and a lot of people would look at that and say well you only did that because you had a press pass right for the new york times or because you already had a new york times best-selling book but you didn't so how did you get interviews with all those people it must have taken a lot of gumption and persistence and creative thinking how did that happen yeah i was like you said, I was 18. I was a freshman in college. So I was the farthest thing from it. And to my surprise, Bill Gates doesn't do interviews with college newspapers. So I I was very surprised when I set off on my journey, how hard it was. You know, it took two years to get to Bill Gates, took three years to get to Lady Gaga. And each journey of getting each interview was completely different in its, in many ways, its own third door adventure in yeah. and of itself. Wow. With Larry King, I ended up chasing him through a grocery store. With Tim Ferriss, I ended up having to crouch in a bathroom at a conference he was speaking at. For Warren Buffett, it was this eight-month quest 
of writing letters back and forth to them and eventually hacking his shareholders meeting and asking the questions in front of 30,000 people. Whoa. Wow. Amazing. Okay. There's a lot more I want to get to, but first a quick ad break. Thanks to Simple Habit for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Did you know it only takes five minutes a day to help reduce stress, improve focus, sleep better, relax faster, breathe easier, and so much more? You guys, using the Simple Habit app helps me so much. There's been so much research that shows that when you start meditating, even if you're just a beginner and you do it a little bit every day, the part of your brain where you see stress that actually shrinks and the part of your brain which actually can help you regulate and just be calmer actually grows and you're literally helping yourself be less stressed. I love that you can browse over a thousand different topics, create customized playlists, and set daily reminders. I'm always looking for a way to stay accountable, so these daily reminders are a huge help. Simple Habit is also perfect because I have such a busy lifestyle and I can use their on-the-go feature so I can take that five-minute meditation break even if I'm like waiting to pick up my kids or stuck at the DMV for a whole day because I forgot to renew my license when I went to Portland. And you know how stressful that can be. So for a free seven-day trial to the premium library, go to simplehabit.com slash dreamjob, available on iOS, Android, and on the web. That's simplehabit.com slash dreamjob for five-minute meditations, free seven-day trial. I feel like people will listen to this and say that they wish that they had any ounce of that level of persistence. Do you feel like that's something that can be learned and developed, or do you think that that's something just only you have? You know, it's a great question because it's actually something that I think gets misconstrued a lot. Because, so this was a seven-year journey. Right now, you and I, for the sake of time, sort of have to zoom out and in many ways talk about the highlights, whether it's the highs or the lows. Right. And what happens when you zoom out enough is things start looking very black and white. Mm. And what ends up happening is a distorted lens on reality happens where you miss all of the gray in between. Mm-hmm. And what happened to me is, you know, I was doing this research on these people, reading these biographies, and none of these biographies talk about, you know, Warren Buffett not being able to get out of bed in the morning. Yep. So when I was on my quest trying to interview him and I was getting rejected over and over and over again, and there were some days where I really wanted to just give up, I thought there was something wrong with me because none of these biographies talk about these people wanting to give up. How come I'm the only one who, uh, that's you know, a really good point. You know, I felt so weak. Like, am I the only one who's just getting, you know, I'm out here saying I'm getting rejected. And for me to casually say to you, oh, you know, is this eight month quest where I got rejected every day? It's really hard to fathom. Do you know what eight months is yeah. like? <laughs> like, have you been rejected for a week? You're like, I'm done with this shit. I'm over this, yeah. you know, after a week. Do you know what week three is like? And the difference is, you know, it's not like on week three, they're like, hey, Alex, if you just stick to it by month eight, it'll all be over and it'll be, a, you know, it'll yeah. be a great experience. Yeah. No, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. And that's the hardest part. Yeah, it's really important what you're saying. It's so true. If you zoom out, it seems like everyone else just has this smooth way of getting it done. And it's like, wait, there's so much you're not seeing the behind the scenes you're not seeing. Um, so you set out with this one big question. You said that those few days before your finals, you're like, I want to find a book where it sort of tells me, you know, like, how can I move through that season in my life, you know, where I'm here and I want to be over there. There must be a book that teaches you how to break through. And so you were like, I guess I'll write it. And so you spoke to all these people. And so what do you think the answers are? Like, what did you learn from all these people? How do you break through? How do you um, go from that person who nobody knows and you're selling software out of your garage to being one of the most powerful people in the world? What are the things that you learned from all these people? So there's a bunch of different stories. And what I've realized is while you know, the third door is this overarching philosophy, everyone's path was different. But there are common elements to everyone's third door stories that in many ways are sort of universal. So the same is true is with success. And, you know, a great case study is with Steven Spielberg. And if you look at how Spielberg launched his career, in many ways, it teaches you how everyone launched their career. So Spielberg was 19 years old. He's rejected from film school. And instead of just giving up on his dream of being a director, he decides to take his education into his own hands. So one day he gets onto the tour bus at Universal Studios Hollywood. You know the tour bus ride yeah. that goes around the lot? Yeah. 
So he gets on that tour bus. He's going around the lot. And he jumps off of the tour bus, hides in a bathroom, waits for the tour bus to drive away, and ends up walking around the lot. Mm. And he ends up bumping into a man named Chuck Silvers. And Chuck Silvers works at the Universal Television Library. And they end up talking for an hour about Spielberg's dream to be a director. And Chuck Silvers, at the end of the hour, goes, you know what? How would you like to come back onto the lot? And Spielberg goes, you know, that would be a dream. So Chuck Silvers writes him a three-day pass. And Spielberg comes on day one and day two and day three. And on day four, Spielberg comes back dressed in a suit, holding his dad's briefcase, walks right up to the security gate, throws a hand in the air, waves to the guard and says, hey, Scotty. And Scotty just waves right back and Spielberg walks right through. Hmm. And he ends up. You know, going onto sound stages, going into editing bays, asking actors and actresses and producers out to lunch. You know, and this is going on for months. You know, some days Spielberg would actually keep an extra suit in his briefcase, sleep in an office, in an empty office, change his suit the next morning, and walk back onto the lot. Wow. And what ended up happening is Chuck Silvers became Spielberg's mentor eventually, and he gave him a great piece of advice. He said, look. You need to stop schmoozing and go make a short film of quality to show people. Yeah. And don't come back until that's done. Mm -hmm. And Spielberg, you know, took that hard piece of advice to heart. And he spent months, you know, grueling over directing and editing a short film called Amblin. And he goes back to Chuck Silvers, shows it to him. And it's so good that when Chuck Silvers watches it, a single tear comes down his cheek. Wow. And Chuck Silvers reaches for the phone and calls the vice president of production for Universal Television, Sid Sheinberg. And he goes, Sid, I have something you have to see. And Sid Sheinberg goes, look, I got a lot of things I have to see. And Chuck Silvers goes, no, this is really important. Mm -hmm. And if you don't watch it, somebody else will. And sure enough, that night, the vice president watched it and the next morning called to meet Spielberg immediately. Spielberg rushes. You have to understand, this is like a 20-year-old kid. He rushes over to Universal, goes into this corner office of the vice president, and on the spot gets offered a contract, making him the youngest studio director in Hollywood history. Wow. Now, if you look at this story with Spielberg, in many ways, yes, of course, undeniably, Spielberg had tremendous talent. That is the undeniable prerequisite but in many ways so do other aspiring directors right why did spielberg get that contract when nobody else did and to me it all actually comes down to chuck silvers if it wasn't for chuck silvers offering spielberg that three-day pass and then offering him that piece of advice to make that short film and then most importantly Calling the vice president of production and putting his reputation on the line for this 20-year-old kid who could do nothing in return for him, none of this would have happened. Right. And the phrase that comes to me is, you know, Chuck Silvers was really Spielberg's inside man, which is anybody inside of the organization you're trying to break into who believes in you so much that she or he will put their reputation on the line for you, for you to get your foot in. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're looking at Spielberg's story or Buffett's story or Jane Goodall's story. Every single one of them had this inside man. Interesting. Who helped them break through. Hmm. So, the you know, the question for anybody listening is not only what's your goal and where, you know, what organization are you trying to break through, whether you're a musician and you want to go into a record label or, you know, you're starting a business and you want to, you know, make a deal with, you know, another company. It's not only – what you're trying to do, it's who in that company can you get to believe in you so much that they're willing to put their reputation on the line for you? Wow. That's interesting. What's one of the other um, consistencies that you saw other than that? Oh my God. With Warren Buffett, you know, everybody knows Warren Buffett is the most you know successful investor in finance history. He is known for being a long-term value investor when it comes to his money. But what people don't understand is he's also a long-term value investor when it comes to his career. Right. And when Warren Buffett was getting his MBA, 
he went to Columbia to get his MBA. The whole reason he chose Columbia is because there was a professor there named Benjamin Graham. And Benjamin Graham is the father of value investing. He was essentially the Warren Buffett of the time. So Buffett goes to Columbia, takes Benjamin Graham's class, befriends Graham, becomes his mentee. But when Buffett is time to graduate college, you know, everyone who graduates with an MBA normally goes and works for a big company. But Buffett knew that what he really wanted was to work for Benjamin Graham and learn firsthand from the master. So he goes to Benjamin Graham and asks if he could work for him, and Graham says no. And then Buffett says, look, I'll even work for free, and Graham still says Mm. no. So Buffett ends up going back to Omaha, working as a stockbroker, but over the next two years, he just keeps writing letters and in his own words, you know, pestering Benjamin Graham, flying out to New York, meeting with him, just, you know, keeps asking until finally after two years, Graham says, okay, you can have a job, and Buffett was so excited and so smart, he didn't even ask if it had a salary. He just flew out to New York and started working immediately. And what ended up happening is a couple years later, when Benjamin Graham ended up closing his firm, Buffett started his own firm. And when all of Graham's clients needed to know where they should invest their money in, Graham says, you know, there's this young guy, Warren Buffett, who I really believe in. And that was a huge turning point in Buffett's career. So working for free, again, you, there's all of these stories of all of these people investing their time not to get money in the short term, but to get connections and knowledge and wisdom in the long term. Yeah. Those are all really, really good things. All right. I know there's some great advice coming up, but let's take a moment to say thanks to a couple sponsors. So it's summer and where I am in Los Angeles, it's been so, so hot. Plus, I spend most of my time chasing my three kids around, which means I will sweat. And as you probably know, it's not the greatest feeling in the world. But luckily, Secret has their clinical strength antiperspirant to help me out. Okay, so let's clear a few things up about Secret clinical strength antiperspirant. Number one, it's not actually a secret. You can tell anyone about it. Number two, it's clinically strong, which just means it's good at preventing sweat, like twice as good as regular antiperspirant. That's why it's on the top shelf. And number three, strength is a cool word. You don't really see it a ton on women's deodorant packaging. So we're like, sure, let's shake things up. Four, sweating is the worst. Four and a half, not sweating is great. So you should buy Secret Clinical Strength Antiperspirant. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and more. Whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set or start your side hustle or build your own business, Skillshare will keep you learning in 2018 and beyond. So you guys know how much I love Skillshare. I just took a class on mastering Instagram and on card design because I just thought it would be fun to know all of those things. I also recently took a class on illustration. I actually get like addicted to these classes because it's so cool to take like 20 minutes and learn something that I can actually use. Skillshare has plenty of other awesome classes like music theory, licensing your art, even e-commerce. You name it, they've got it. So whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, you're starting your side hustle, or you're just exploring a new passion, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. You can get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash dreamjob. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash dreamjob to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash dreamjob. You've told some stories about the dangers of over-persistence. What do you think are the signs that it's not meant to be and you might need to pivot and give up on this and go pursue something else? Yeah. So I learned, of course, of the dangers of over-persistence with my eight months of harassing Warren Buffett. And what ended up happening is I had spent, you know, eight months writing letters to him, calling his assistant week after week after week that finally, when I actually got an interview with Bill Gates and the interview with Gates went so well, Gates' office said, look, we want to help however we can. And I'm like, "Uh, I know Bill and Warren are sort of best friends. Do you think you can help with that? And they're like, absolutely. But I got an email from Bill Gates' office shortly after saying, please, no more contact to Warren's office. Thanks. And I'll never know exactly what happened, but I assumed essentially – Buffett's office was like, look, we know all about Alex. This is not happening. Mm -hmm. And no one warns you about the dangers of over-persistence. You know, every business book talks about persistence, but no one talks about how you can bang on a door so many times 
that instead of breaking the door down, you end up getting blacklisted. Yeah. And that's what had happened to me. And what I've learned is that there's a huge difference between banging on one door a hundred times versus banging on one door three or four times. Okay, cool. That didn't work. All right. Let me go try the window. Okay, cool. That didn't work. Let me try, you know, making friends with a bouncer. Okay, that didn't work. Right. All right. How about I try a different nightclub, see if that works, if I can build some credibility there and if that helps me meet the owner of that, you know, and Dean came in the one of the most prolific inventors in history. You know, he created the Segway and the bionic arm. And I asked him a similar question about over persistence. And what he said to do is it's not about kissing one frog a hundred times and seeing which one turns into the prince. Because if you kiss that same frog a hundred times, that doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. It's about finding out the different, you know, his analogy of frogs is find the different species. Mm. You know, try one of these, one of those, one of these. And if you try, you know, maybe 10 different species a few times, that's a much more thoughtful approach yeah. to solving your problem. Yeah, that makes sense. The thing is that even though that's a hard pill to swallow, you were so much more successful than you weren't. Like you got through to so many incredible people and have done so much good with that. So in terms of that and what really should be celebrated, which is all of that success, for people who are listening right now who are starting out on their blog or their own podcast or they have a YouTube channel, what's your advice for how they might want to reach out to a dream guest who is worlds ahead of where they are? Like, What are some essential components that you've maybe used in writing a cold email or you know, like in getting through to somebody? So one of the most practical pieces of advice I got on my journey of writing this book came from Tim Ferriss, the best-selling author of The 4-Hour Workweek. And what I learned is that Tim Ferriss launched his career by sending 32 emails to the CEO of a company that he wanted to work for in Silicon Valley. Wow. And then when Tim wanted to become an author, Tim would cold email different best-selling authors getting advice and making connections in the publishing world. So in many ways, Tim really relied on this tool of cold emailing. So when I was interviewing Tim, I really pressed him on you know his cold emailing secrets, and he revealed a template that he uses to reach out to CEOs or VIPs that pretty much guarantees a response. And what's incredible is that I have experimented with it and it has gotten me interviews for the book. It got me, you know, advice from people like Malcolm Gladwell. And the best part about it is, you know, the book has been out for a few weeks now. One of my favorite things is if you go on the Amazon reviews of the book, there's people who write in caps lock, the cold email template works. And that's that the best so compliment. Cool. What is it? What that's, is it? Okay, so this is how it works. And it's very simple, but you actually have to follow it to a T. Okay. It's sort of like baking. So okay. the opening, you know, the opening sentence is, you know, hi, so and so. And the opening the first paragraph is I know you're incredibly busy and you get a lot of emails, so this will only take 60 seconds to read. Mm-hmm. Boom. Next paragraph. One to two sentences max of who you are and your credibility that's relevant to the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Boom. Next paragraph. Again, one to two sentences max of your very specific question for that person, and it has to be something they can answer very easily, like – what is the best book you recommend for an aspiring author? Mm-hmm. And then the final paragraph is the clincher. You go, I totally understand if you're too busy to reply. Even a one or two line response will completely make my day. All the best, Tim. Whoa. And that works incredibly well. And if you actually dissect it, it makes sense. So the opening line It shows the person who's reading the email, you're very thoughtful, and the 60 seconds is sort of like intriguing and makes someone curious. Now, you actually have to make sure your email does take less than 60 seconds to read. Yeah. And then the final line I think is the most important. By telling someone, you know, I totally understand if you're too busy to respond, it sort of gets them off the hook and it's the opposite of what most people do, saying – 
thanks in advance, looking forward to your favorable right, response. Right. And right. it just makes you instantly likable. And the truth is, most people can't afford to write you a one or two sentence reply. Right. And that sort of teased them up to open that window for you. It's so good. Most of my career has been built on the uh, on the cold emails. And um, I do it a little bit differently, but there's some really good stuff in what you said that I'm going to think about. But here's my question for you. When mm-hmm. you say in that second part, you're like, and then tell the person something that's credible about yourself that might relate so that they, you know, it's relevant to who they are and what they're doing with their life. What if you have none? Like, what if you're like, hey, great, I'm Alex, hey, I'm Alex and uh, I'm just a really in- in- interested person and I'm 18. Like, what was your credibility? What would you say? Ah, that's such a good question because that was literally this next question I had asked him first during the interview. Yes! I said, what if you have none? <laughs> and I'm very happy our minds think the same way. And what Tim taught me is that a great way to build some credible association in your byline, you know, you don't have to build it out of thin air. So, for example, with Tim Ferriss, he had recently graduated college, you know, was essentially a nobody and wanted to reach out to these best-selling authors for advice. So he knew that if he said, hi, I'm Tim Ferriss, a recent college grad, his email would look the same as every other cold email these people are getting right so what he did is he started volunteering for a credible organization and he found this group called the silicon valley association of startup entrepreneurs sounds Mm -hmm. really fancy you know it's just a bunch of people you know who live in california who like like startups exactly Mm -hmm. yeah but tim was like all right great i'm gonna volunteer for them and you know volunteer to organize one of their events so Tim could then email, let's say, Jack Canfield, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yeah. He could say, instead of saying, hi, I'm Tim Ferriss, a recent college grad, he goes, hi, I'm Tim Ferriss, the organizer for the Silicon Valley Association of Startup Entrepreneurs. I really wanted to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then he goes right into it. Got it. It's way easier now in 2018 than it's ever been before because – with a blog or a podcast or writing for different publications, you know, you could easily have, a, let's say, a Medium series where you syndicate your articles on Medium and LinkedIn, which you don't need anyone's permission for. And if you just get a few interesting people that you've interviewed, you can say, hi, I have this, you know, this career series that's syndicated on Medium and LinkedIn where I've interviewed X, Y, and Z. Boom. That's some instant credibility. This is really, really good stuff. So, You've talked to so many people. How many people did you reach out to? Like for everybody who actually got a meeting with, how many more people were you reaching out to? Oh my goodness. It was 99% rejections. Wow. And what ends up happening is, you know, the book is filled with all these miraculous coincidences. Like with Larry King, I was outside of a grocery store and I saw him and ended up chasing him through the grocery store and everyone thinks, wow, what a lucky miracle. And yes, they're right. But what they don't know is there are 99 unlucky things that happen on the course of this journey. <laughs> right. And, you know, even even some of them were just 99% of the way there. I was on the 99-yard line and all I had to take was one step for a touchdown. And even then things would fall apart, like with Mark Zuckerberg. Mm. It was towards the end of my journey and a president of Microsoft – you know, I asked him if he would introduce me to Mark Zuckerberg, thinking there was a 1% chance that he would say yes. And he said, absolutely. Wow. And, you know, he tells me to write up a little note about my book and he'll send it to Mark and see what Mark says. And he did just that. And Mark actually responded saying, this sounds really interesting. Give Alex my personal email address. What? I am freaking out. I'm 20 years old. I'm jumping up and down. And I end up writing this, you know, really thoughtful short email to mark and i cc the president of microsoft and i send him it and i tell him look i'm going to be at this conference you're speaking at next week maybe i can meet you backstage Mm -hmm. and we can talk a bit more about the book i thought that would be the easiest way to get a meeting with him and i send the email and mark never responds and now it's two days before the conference and i email the president of microsoft saying hey i totally don't want to be over persistent do you think I can send Mark just one follow-up email? And the president of Microsoft's like, what are you talking about? Mark responded to you immediately days ago. I'm like, that's impossible. I have been refreshing my email inbox every hour. 
And he goes, uh, no, he definitely sent it because he CC'd me to his response. Oh my so gosh. I go to my spam folder. And it's literally Viagra, 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 Mark Zuckerberg, Viagra, Viagra, Viagra. <laughs> you know, even Gmail thought it was too good to be true. That's hilarious. And, you know, it's a longer story, but even that, that was so teed up to the point where Mark was receptive to meeting me, even that fell apart. And many of the lessons of the book are – you know, coming from these moments where I fall flat yeah. on my face yeah. and other people pick me up and teach me the lesson that I needed to learn in the first place. Mm. How do you feel like you were able to keep going through all of that? And what's your advice to people when they're like, I'm just so burnt. I can't keep going. You know, I relate to that feeling a lot because it it happens more often than you think. Right. I would actually say sometimes it's it feels like the majority of my time is in that space. Mm. And I've learned two things have helped me the most. Mm -hmm. The first thing is when I feel I am all out of cards, I am done, I'm at the end of my rope, and I'm thinking about giving up. The thing that keeps me holding on is remembering why I had started in the first place, mm. what that mission is. Mm -hmm. And I just really believe from day one of this journey that if all of these people came together not for press, not to promote anything, but really just to share their best wisdom with the next generation. People can do so much more. That's so true. And when I was at the end of my rope, it was that thought that it, it didn't energize me and get me to jump out of bed. It just helped me not give up. Yeah. You had a really big why. Oh my God. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes a why gets so romanticized, like, oh, the why is what will keep you passionate about your job every day. That is not true in my case. Yeah, yeah. But the why will keep you from abandoning ship. And that's the most important yeah. thing. Yeah. Now, the second thing that I think is really underrated, you know, there's all of these, you know, business thought leaders who are just yelling at you saying, never give up, no sleep, you know, money never sleeps. You know what? Sometimes it's good to just take a fucking nap. Right. And what I've learned is that when I'm burnt out, when I am feeling completely depleted, sometimes the best gift I can give, not just myself, but to give my journey, to give my career, is a day off. Yeah. And I think it's grossly underrated. If you have the luxury of able to take two hours away to go on a walk, to clear your head. Sometimes that's exactly what you need yep. to keep going. Yeah, that makes sense. Ice cream is your friend. Ice cream. What do you <laughs> want to do? You you set out to go on this quest and write this book that you could not find that had already been written. And what do you want to do now? What's the big picture goal for you? You know, when I had started on this mission, my main focus in the beginning was trying to get all these practical tools and pieces of advice and stuff them all into this book. Yeah. And while all of that still happened, I've realized that the soul of the book goes much deeper. Really, this is a book about possibility. Mm. And what I've learned is that you can give someone all the best tools and knowledge in the world and their life can still feel stuck. But if you change what someone believes is possible mm. – They'll never be the same. Wow. And that's my mission moving forward is really injecting that essence of possibility into as many people as I can because that's the greatest gift I was given the past seven years. And I feel that's the greatest gift I can pay forward. Yeah. We've we've heard that on this show so many times that the greatest obstacle between where you are and where you want to be is how possible you believe it is. So mm. what do you think it is that helps somebody – to get it, to really get what's possible for them in their life. It's such a simplistic answer. It's so simplistic that most people write it off. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned is that extremely relatable stories where you say, hey, that person is just like me. And if she overcame all of those things, mm. why can't I? Right. Just seeing for someone else that it was doable for them gives you the certainty that it must be doable because this other person was able to do it, so it's doable. 
Right. And it's, you know, it's different to be watching E! News and hear Katy Perry say, oh, I, you know, was rejected and I became a superstar. And it just, it's so uh, distant. But if you're able to really, you know, read the story of Maya Angelou when, you know, tragically she was eight years old and was raped, you know, and she was a mute for five years and then was you know, the victim of just horrendous domestic abuse to hear her pain and see how she turned darkness into light. Yeah. That's that possibility. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the greatest pieces of advice that you were given along the way? Oh, there's so many. I'll, I'll share just a couple. Okay. Um, with Quincy Jones. It was one of the best interviews in the book, in my opinion. And he said incredible pieces of advice. It was like I, I had broken the wisdom pinata <laughs> and these nuggets were just <laughs> raining down awesome on my head. Analogy, Yeah, go ahead. And these are like three of my favorite things he said. He said the first thing he said was he goes, I teach the musicians I mentor to become themselves, mm. to know themselves and to love themselves. Hmm. That's all I care about. Know yourself and love yourself. Wow. And that's become a huge mantra for me. The second one he said is that he goes, young people are always chasing. It's because they think they're in control of everything. They have to learn to be connected to the universe. Mm. Just let it happen to you. Mm. And that's something I'm working on a lot right now. Mm. And the third one is one of my favorites. He goes, there's a statute of limitations that's expired on all childhood traumas. Fix your shit and get on with your life. Wow. And I think that's just so good coming from him. It's so good. Wow. Wow. So you've been studying all these legends and sitting with them and soaking up their words. And now here you are. Do you feel like it's like really changed you and the way you see the world? Oh, absolutely. It It's night and day. And that's actually one of my biggest motivators for continuing to share in some ways, it's a mix of like gratitude and guilt. Hmm. Gratitude that I was so fortunate to be able to learn from these people and guilt that I was the only person in the room. Yeah, You know, Bill Gates didn't do the interview with me because he loved me. He did it because I told him that I would take what he shared with me and share it with others. Yeah. And really at this stage in my life, now that the book has finally come out, I'm – doing my part in fulfilling that end of the bargain. It's amazing. Do you feel like as you were sitting with people and really listening to their life story, do you feel like during the course of their life, they had to pivot in terms of like starting out, let's say thinking that their thing was that they were going to be a great filmmaker when really it turned out they were actually better as a writer or a director. Like, do you feel like that was one of the things that sort of came out is that people had to kind of figure out what the world wanted from them versus what they thought their ego was. Does that make sense? Totally. Absolutely. Um, There's a man, his name is Chi Lu, who when he, he grew up in a village outside of Shanghai, China with no running water, no electricity. And, you know, the village was so poor that people walked around with deformities for malnutrition. And Chilu's biggest dream was to be a shipbuilder because it was like the most reliable job that got paid the most in the village. But he was too thin, too scrawny, and too short. So he couldn't make it past the requirements to get even applied to the job. So he was just forced to focus on his studies, which is what he's naturally good at. And he studied really, really hard. And fast forward 20 years later, and he became a president of Microsoft. And he's the president of Microsoft I was referring to with the Mark Zuckerberg story. Wow. And Chilu's story in and of itself is unbelievable. There's, in my opinion, I almost even want to say it's fact. No crazier story than Chilu's life story. Again, it's like you said, it's a great example of, you know, when you're a kid or even when you're not a kid, even when you're in your 20s or 30s, you can have an idea of what you want and you start realizing that there's an intersection between what you want and what you're good at. Right. That's your path. Yeah. You know, there's so many people listening right now and they they're struggling because they have so much inside of them that they want to share with the world, but they don't think that they're good enough. They don't think they have the right contacts. A lot of them don't feel like they have tons of extra time. What's your advice? Like after listening to this episode, 
what might they take with them? Like, what do you think? Okay, well, start with this. Try this. If someone wants to start with one thing that will radically change their life, Mm -hmm. that's super simple that they can start doing today, it would be this. Go to, you know, a CVS or Dwayne Reed or wherever, you know, a local pharmacy is. Get a notebook. And it's important that it's a fresh notebook so it's not overlapping with anything else in your life. And on the cover of that notebook, write in big letters, the 30-day challenge. And this is what the 30-day challenge is. Spend every day for the next 30 days journaling for 15 minutes about the same three questions. And you have to pick the same time for the next 30 days. So whether you're doing your journaling in the morning, in the afternoon, in the night, you have to stay consistent. And it has to be 30 days in a row. So these are the three questions. Number one, what excited me today? Number two, what drained me of energy today? And number three, what did I learn about myself today? And if you do those three things, you know, by day five, it might not be that interesting. But by day 22, things start becoming much more compelling. And by day 28, you start noticing these patterns. And by day 30, you will learn something shockingly new about yourself. But the key, again, is you have to do this 30 days in a row. You can't do it a couple times a week for the next couple months. 30 days in a row and you will see a dramatic shift. And what do you think happens then? It motivates you and you say, now I have a better sense of what I really want or what I really can do. And so you go ahead and take action. So there's a great quote from the 4-Hour Workweek that says, you know, trying to discover your bliss or trying to discover happiness is a really elusive term. But if you focus on what excites you Mm. and the flip is, you know, what drains you of energy. Those are much more practical synonyms to be searching for. Right. So if you spend 30 days understanding what excites you on a daily basis, what drains you, and if you ask yourself what new things you've learned about yourself, by the end of the 30 days, you will have a new awareness to yourself that will make your path clearer. And it's a lot easier to walk down that path when you understand what it is. Yep. So great. Wow. Okay, Alex, where can we find you? All social media is the same. It's just whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, it's just at Alex Benayan, A-L-E-X-B-A-N-A-Y-A-N. And the book is everywhere books are sold. So local bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, Kindle, iBooks, wherever you like to read books. Amazing. Look what you've done. So cool. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, thank you for all the good stuff you're doing. You you are definitely, definitely doing what you're saying you want to do, which is helping people believe that things are possible. So thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I love hearing these stories. So many great nuggets of wisdom in there. Okay. So here are some takeaways. Number one, there's always a third door. There's always a way in. I love that. Number two, being courageous means you acknowledge your fears, you analyze the consequence and still decide to take that step forward. Number three, at some point, everyone has felt like giving up. You are not alone. Number four, it's not just about what you want to do, but who will risk their reputation to help you through the door. And finding that inside person is key. Number five, invest your time for connections and knowledge in the long term. Number six, it's not about kissing the same frog a hundred times and hoping it's going to become a prince. It's about trying a different species. Number seven, when you fall flat on your face, remember your why. Number eight, take a nap. Give yourself a day off. Number nine, if you can change what you believe is possible, then you'll never be the same. And number 10, get a notebook. Start that 30-day challenge. Focus on what drains you, what excites you, and what you learned today. So... That was so much fun talking to Alex. And I just wanted to mention another thing, which was last week, I took my kids on a little staycation. We went to Disneyland and then we went down to San Diego. It was really nice to get away, but it's amazing how even when I'm on vacation and I'm supposed to allow myself to relax, I just notice my thoughts and how hard I am on myself. It's like, oh my gosh, my kids should not be eating French fries or they shouldn't be watching the Disney Channel in the morning or why are they not sitting down and doing some mindful exercise? It's like, I just want to give myself a break. You know, here I am on vacation with them and instead of being 
you know, happy and enjoying the time, I'm thinking about how I should be doing more of this and how much time I spend at work. And then I remember that I love my work and that I am a happier person because I get to do this podcast and do my music and all those other things. So I just think we need to take a deep breath and be much kinder to ourselves. I feel like we're all just beating ourselves up all the time and it's exhausting and draining. And I just want to remind you that you're doing a pretty stellar job being on the planet. Nobody has this thing figured out. It's not easy to be a grown up. And um, if you guys only should see behind the scenes of my life sometimes, you would think that I also sometimes feel anxious and overwhelmed. So um, I just want to be here to remind you that you're doing an awesome job and give yourself a little credit. Okay, now for a listener win. So Kendra messaged me on Instagram and she said, hello, I just wanted to share a short film of mine that was inspired by your podcast. I had not made a film of my own in two years and was feeling creatively deprived. I was listening to your episode with Mandy Moore and she was talking about some choreography she created based off dancing shoes. Then bam, I had an idea for a film. I raced home and wrote the script in an hour. That never happens. Soon I got my lovely cast and crew together and we brought this little story to life. I wanted to thank you so much for all the hard work you put into inspiring others. It really matters. Look what it inspired in me. Thank you and thank you, Mandy Moore. And she sent a link to her short film, which is called A Dreamer's Melody, and it's so cute. I think it might be on private, but maybe if you guys get in touch with Kendra, she'll share it with you. You can find her on Instagram at kendra.ann.cheryl or check out her website, kendraannsheryl.com, K-E-N-D-R-A-N-N-S-H-E-R-R-I-L-L.com. Kendra, thank you so much for sharing that. I'm really touched that just a simple conversation sparked something so amazing you definitely have a gift and I truly, truly hope you continue to keep sharing it. So you guys, if you have a win, please send them on over. You can DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller or post in our Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group. We want to share and celebrate all the things that you guys are doing. And I do check every single one of my DMs on Instagram. I'm actually going to give away 10 $50 gift cards to Anthropology. All you have to do is um, come on over and make sure that you're following me on Instagram at kathy.heller. And when I hit 10,000 people in this Instagram community, I'm going to give away 10 $50 gift cards to Anthropology to 10 of you who are in this amazing Instagram tribe that um, we've been creating together because I just want to keep giving back to you and giving you stuff to pamper yourself with because you deserve it and you're awesome and I love you guys. So um, we're pretty close to hitting 10,000. So come on over and follow me at kathy.heller and then you'll be entered into the raffle. And once we hit 10,000, I'll choose 10 of you and I'll send you an email letting you know that I'm going to send you a gift card. So thank you guys. Really, thank you. I know you have a million things that you could be doing with your time and it means the world to me. Really, it's such an honor that you choose to spend your time listening to this podcast. I love you guys so much. You have no idea. Um, If any of this has been resonating with you and you think, you know, my friend so-and-so really needs to hear this or my sister or my uncle, whoever you think could use this advice and inspiration, please go ahead and share the podcast. If each one of you shared the podcast with a friend, we would double our audience, which would be incredible and which would help so much for us to keep making more and more incredible content. So go ahead and please share the episode with someone, post about it on Instagram. It would mean the world to me. And if you go ahead and you do share it or you post it and you tag me on Instagram, when you go ahead and share it, I will definitely send you a personal thank you. So again, you can follow me on Instagram at kathy.heller. Come say hi, tell me what you're up to. And like I said, I'm doing an awesome giveaway. I'll be giving away 10 $50 gift cards to Anthropology when we hit 10,000 people in this incredible Instagram tribe. So go ahead and just follow me there and I will put you in the raffle. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song of mine. Have an awesome week. Talk to you soon. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Everybody's got a little something Everybody's got a little kick Everybody's got a little